I'm Nick Harvey-Doyle, a Ngunnawan man from the northern tablelands of New South Wales. The Yarn podcast is made on the unceded land of the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong people. We'd like to acknowledge First Nations people as the first storytellers. We pay our respects to elders past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. From the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne, this is The Yarn. I'm Thomas Phillips. Today, we're returning to our News Bite series. It spotlights the journalism of staff and students at the Centre for Advancing Journalism. This week's guest is lecturer and audio journalist Sami Shah. Sami got his start in a Pakistani newsroom. Since then, he's moved to Australia, where he's hosted the ABC Melbourne Breakfast Show and made radio documentaries about free speech and race for ABC's Earshot series. Most recently, he's produced a thrilling audio drama for Audible called The Mist. For News Bites, he spoke to senior lecturer Louisa Lim about honing one of the most crucial journalistic skills, pitching. Louisa started by asking Sammy to talk about his earliest pitching experiences. You cannot be a shy journalist. You cannot be a modest journalist. You have to be obnoxiously confident and you have to sell yourself. You know, I, I, I wanted to become a journalist. I wanted to become a writer. I looked at the different magazines and newspapers and I noticed one thing they were missing was book reviews that reviewed comic books and graphic novels, which is something I loved, and also music reviews that were, I thought, well-written. So I just went out there and I started convincing people. I just emailed a whole lot of people saying, hey, I can write book reviews for you and I'll do comic books and graphic novels. And eventually one newspaper was like, eh, what have we got to lose? We'll give it a try. And they let me write one. And I wrote the hell out of it. And from that, I got other work and other work. And and then I became a music reviewer. And then I became a a full-time journalist. But none of it would have happened if I hadn't been really confident in what I wanted to get. Those first emails that you wrote, did you do research and find out who to email? Absolutely. Or was it just totally cold? So one of the things, uh, the first thing is you have to find out who to email. Don't just email everyone. Don't email randomly. Figure out who to email. One of the good ways is... When you're a writer, they tell you, if you want to find a good literary agent or editor, look at the acknowledgement section of someone's book, see who they've thanked, note down those names, contact those people. Similarly, when you're looking at a newspaper, newspapers, magazines, websites now, they all have the editor listed. Look up the editor, Google them, see if you can find their email address. One trick I learned when I moved to Australia was I wanted to get a job at the ABC, so I said, looking up different people's email addresses. And I noticed that every one of the ABC's email address was last name, dot first name, at abc.net.au. So I found the producers I wanted to contact, and I just randomly guessed that might be their email. And for 50%, it worked. It's the same skills you use as journalists to find a lead, to find a story. You also have to use the same skills to sell yourself, basically. You know, I've pitched a lot. Most of my life I've been working as a freelancer, at least since moving to Australia. In that time, I have pitched successfully to BBC Radio 4, ABC Radio National, The Audible, The Age, which is a local newspaper in Melbourne, uh, Brisbane Courier Mail, Times of India, Dawn News TV in Pakistan. Everything I got from them was done because I approached them. 
No one approached me first. After I built a relationship, they came to me. But you have to approach people. I met a journalist recently who's new and young in the market, and they were very upset. They're like, my work is so good, no one calls me. <laughs> and I was like, that's your biggest mistake. Who, nobody remembers you. It doesn't matter how good your work is. There's a million other people out there also doing good work, also contacting and harassing every editor. You need to be someone they remember. Uh, it's basic marketing skills as well, but this is how you win in a pitch. If you get a job in a newsroom and you're doing those daily news meetings, yeah. what are the pitching skills that are going to get your stories noticed? Right. Pitching as a freelancer is very different from pitching in a newsroom. In a newsroom, you still have to stand out from everyone else, but at least the basic relationship has been formed with your editor. They know who you are. What happens is most newsrooms, every morning the editor gets together with the reporters and the, and the producers and you all discuss what stories you're going to be doing and you pitch your story to the editor. And the editor tells you whether or not it's a good story, whether it's worth investigating, whether it'll get any coverage or whether it's not doing it. Now, a few things you have to keep in mind before you pitch a good story to anyone is, is it a story? Is this even worthy of being a news story? Just because it's interesting to you doesn't necessarily mean it's a news story. So I want to do a story on the books I like is not going to convince someone that it's something worth publishing. However, I want to do a story on these books that I like, but no one else seems to know about them. Is this a genre that no one else is reading? Yet somehow publishers are putting money into it. So in the end, it's a story about how much money the publishing industry is spending on books that no one reads becomes a story, right? So you have to think, where's the story in this? Where's the news element in this? And to have that understanding, you have to have a fundamental understanding of news. So make sure your news is strong. Do your research before you even pitch. Don't go in and say, well, I haven't spoken to anyone. I haven't really Googled this. This is just an idea I just had five minutes ago. Your editor doesn't have time for that. Your editor has got... 10 other journalists saying, I've got seven contacts lined up. I've got three people I've already spoken to on the phone. They're willing to go on the record. Do the research before you pitch it. It might never happen. The editor might still say, not going to do the story. But pre-preparing or preparing for the story is never going to be a wasted effort. You'll eventually find something there. So you would do like pre-interviews? Pre-interviews always. Always. Before my editor ever found out I was even interested in something, I had called at least three minimum, on average, five to seven people related to the story, experts in the field, someone just so if my editor says, fine, how ready are you to go with this? I can say, actually, I've already lined up seven people. Well, I've lined up five people. We can go tomorrow. We can run with this today. It's about making sure that they know that you are a serious journalist who's ready to serious journalism, even if the topic is frivolous. The other thing, and Louisa has also talked about this many times, is the elevator pitch. Right, and the elevator pitch. If you can't tell someone in one line, then you don't know what the story yeah. you're telling is. And the way to think about it is, in the time it takes me to get into an elevator with someone, to get to the third floor, fourth floor, we get out, can I tell them the whole story? The best way to do it as a practice for yourself is write the headline for the story. So if, for example, I want to do a story about you know, the current situation with regards to citizenship applications and how delayed they are, for people who are coming, who, who applied for them four years ago and it still haven't been processed because there's such a backlog. How can I sell that story? What's the pitch to that story? What's the five word headline? 
to get people to understand what I'm talking about. I just want to show yeah. one or two resources really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are really handy. So successfulpitches.com and intothespine.com. Uh, both really good websites. Successfulpitches.com is where people, freelancers around the world, go and upload their pitches that are successful. And you can literally just see how they've pitched stories. If you're pitching something similar, you can see how they've done theirs and learn from what they've done. And Into the Spine is really good. It's a bit more America-based, but it tells you the terminology that's good, terminology that's common. I double-check my pitches with Into the Spine to just make sure I've hit all the touch points and stuff before doing that. Let's take a look at some pitching. So most of my work is as a freelancer. Uh, I don't work for any one outlet anymore. Uh, Most of my work did happen for ABC, but always when I was outside the ABC. And so I had to think about a few fundamentals before even getting to the pitch. The first one is who am I? How will they know who I am, right? So I need to have a website. I need to have a vanity website. Pitching yourself as exactly. much as you're pitching the story, right? Because they need to have a knowledge <laughs> of who I am and, and a trust in who I am. Now, my website's out of date, by the way, right? But as soon as you go there, there's a bio section. You know, it's got all of my current work. It is a book section, a podcast section, a comedy show section, etc. It's not even that good. I'm currently in the process of updating it. I had Ginger Gorman in for my new media storytelling class last term. And uh, Ginger's website is a fantastic one because Ginger Gorman is also a freelancer. So it has portfolio about media, podcasts, all of that stuff. But if you just scroll through everything Ginger's done that's worth knowing about is highlighted, including quotes and stuff. So if you're an editor and Ginger Gorman pitches you a story, go to my website and go, all right, this person's done other work. They've done work that's won awards. They've done work that's worth seeing. You are the product and you have to sell that product to an editor, convince them to trust you. The same is true for student journalists Absolutely. as well. But the minute you have your work published anywhere in the Citizen, the Global Citizen, Radio Fodder, whatever, the Yarn, you can start making your website, creating your portfolio. It's really important to have a body of work before you start working professionally so that the people who give you money, because they're trusting you with money and time and attention and space, know that you're worth it. So you made your beautiful website with your vanity (laughs) shop in the front. You're pitching your first story. Yeah. Uh, how do you pitch? So this is the first piece I ever pitched in Australia to uh, the ABC. I had a big idea and the idea was something no one else had ever done. I wanted to do a five-part radio series for ABC Radio National that would also be a podcast series that would cover a topic particular to me, which was at the time Islam in Australia uh, and my explorations of the Muslim community and my explorations of what it means to be a Muslim in this country. I had come here as a migrant. It was something I was questioning about my own life and about my own place in Australia. So I thought that was a good way of expanding that question. So always think about what's interesting to you, what's newsworthy within that. I want you to do multiple interviews. Why are you the person to tell that? And that was an important thing to convince them I can do this better than anyone else. Also, it helped that no one else was pitching something like that. So I'll show you the actual pitching document even. This was the first pitching document. Now... A few things to remember about this is I asked the ABC, I emailed a producer at random. There was a show called Earshot. I Googled and found out who the producer was, Claudia Taranto, and I emailed her and I said, hey, I want to do a series on this. What's your pitching format? Every major news organization has a pitching document that they want you to fill out. 
So she sent me the document and then I filled it out. But I gave all the detail I possibly could so that they knew I was serious and I'd done my research. So the working title came up with that, came up my contact information, the idea was written down, the format, the online opportunities, they, these are all things that they want to know, so I researched them to figure out what best I could do. Who I am, why I'm good for this, and then each episode's breakdown. Now, the end result, it actually ended up changing significantly. But at the time, they knew that what I'm pitching is something I've thought about, I've done some research, so that it's worth having a meeting with me. And then from there, the sale goes further. It ended up becoming a five-part series for ABC Radio National on Earshot. At the time, Earshot had an average listenership of 800 listeners. For Islamic Republic of Australia, my series, that jumped up to 90,000 listeners. And then jumped back, back down to 800 after I, I left. <laughs> so the work spoke for itself. It ended up becoming a book as well, things like that. So I got a lot of work. I got basically a year and a half's worth of work and thus rent money out of a pitch that I really worked hard on. So that's so the first one. how long one. did you spend on that pitch? I spent probably a week and a half writing it, rewriting it, re-rewriting it, editing it constantly, tightening it up, rethinking the logline, discussing it with someone that I trusted their opinion on you know, things that are, they weren't a journalist, they're just a friend of mine who works in the entertainment industry. And I was like, what, does this sound good? Does this sound interesting? And, and they helped me streamline it, but it was mostly just editing. A lot of writers will tell you that good writing is good editing. It's not just good writing. And the same thing is true for pitches. Although if you're pitching just a single story for a newspaper, you probably, you know, it, it's not going to take that long. Yeah, absolutely. It's maybe going to be just a paragraph. So that's yeah. why you really need to... You need to really fine-tune it and make sure that that paragraph is precise. It's a very important thing that they need to see how good you are at summing up complicated stories into a simple thing with your pitch. Now, if they rejected this, that's a lot of wasted work. But I have to be willing to take that risk. Um, I have to be willing to show them that I'm worth their time. And also, you can take your pitch somewhere. Exactly. Now, particularly, there's so many more outlets in every different medium for you to do. If, if ABC rejects your podcast, you can go to Listener, you can go to Audible, you can go to you know, many other the Saturday paper, you can go other places. So one of the things I firmly believe in is no pitches wasted. If ABC rejected my pitches, the previous ones, I would have done something else with them. I would have found some other home for them. I came up with an idea for a book nine or eight years ago. I wrote the first two chapters. It wasn't going anywhere, but I liked the idea. So then I tried writing it as a TV show. And I pitched it to a bunch of different people. And they all said, no one likes this. It's too dark. No one wants this. So then I sat on it. And then Audible Australia launched in Australia, and I pitched it to them as an audio play with a full cast production. And again, at this point, who cares? If they reject it, I've been rejected already twice. Might as well go all out. I designed a cover. The story is about a little girl in a country town in Australia who goes missing. It's a crime noir story. And it's about journalism in Australia and how the news covers that story. Then there was the log line again. So you got, you got the elevator pitch right there. Refugee family from Pakistan finds safety in a West Australian town until their daughter is taken by an unknown person. This brings the weight of national media and politics down on the town. Locals are pushed to the breaking point. Eight 20 to 25 minute episodes. And that was it. That's the, that's the log line. Then there's a lot more detail. Episode breakdowns, character breakdowns, etc. But that is only seen if they trust the initial 
opening page, which they did. And it ended up becoming a production series. We ended up getting a full cast of characters in WA. We recorded the whole thing in audio studios, and it's now on Audible. And it's still in the top 30 podcasts on Audible one year after launching. But everything I'm doing is now building a body of work. So the next time I pitch something, I can say, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. And that makes a big difference. So what I'm taking away from what you're saying is you really need to develop an incredibly thick skin Absolutely. in order to pitch. So, if someone doesn't like your pitch, it doesn't matter. Yeah, the things that I have made successfully are 10% of the things that I have pitched in the course of my career to date. 90% of everything I have ever pitched has been rejected. <laughs> That's okay. That is the norm. It's a lot of work we put in. It's myself and a producer, Ying Na Lu. I designed all of this. I wrote it all out. It's a multiple episode documentary series on what it means and what it takes to become a citizen in Australia and what your responsibilities are. And the whole thing is funny. You know, what is Australian food? What is Australian music? We explore Australia through the eyes of new citizens. It was a whole thing. And I designed all of this. I wrote all of this. Every episode breakdown, etc. We pitched it to ABC, to SBS, to Channel 10, to, to every single major media. Netflix, we had meetings with all of them. ABC at one point was very serious. And then they, they all were like, nah, no idea why. It's still, I think, one of my best things I've ever come up with. Never happened. Did you ever get any feedback as to what it was that people no. didn't like. Nobody gives you feedback. <laughs> All they will say is, it's just not right for us right now. <laughs> now, I might pitch this again a year from now, and then again five years from now, and then again 10 years from now, or it might become a book, or it might become a documentary series on radio, or it might become nothing. I cannot tell the difference between the ideas that get approved and the ideas that don't get approved. And my work in the ideas that don't get approved is as much, if not more, than the ones that do get approved but you still have to put in the work. So one thing that people always ask is, do you not worry that some editor somewhere is gonna take your idea, you've done all this work, you present them with a fully formed idea, how do you know they're not gonna take your idea? There's no guarantee. It is a small industry, and so there is this level of checks and balances in terms of if someone steals your idea, you can go on Twitter tomorrow and say, hey, I pitched this idea to this person six months ago. Three months later, I see them doing it with somebody else. Or you go to the unions with that, or you go to the ed their boss with that. Things like that happen. Also, there is parallel thinking. So if I thought of an idea about free speech, for example, at the time that I thought about it, something happened to trigger that thought in my head. Something would have happened to trigger the same thought in someone else's head. They might have pitched it. So not everything is always stolen from you. But yeah, parallel thinking happens. Try to make it as specific as you can to why you and yours will be different from anyone else's. That's a really important thing, right? If someone steals my idea, I know they stole it because only I would have done it that particular way. And you have to develop your own style to do that. And so, I mean, in all your pitching career, which is the project that you're saddest about? This one at? right here. It's called The Forgotten. A historical documentary series. And I discovered while researching my family that my great-grandfather's younger brother died in the First World War fighting for the British in the Balkans. And he's an Indian man from India, and he volunteered. He was a young man who volunteered to join and fight for the British, ended up dying, dying in the Balkans. No one in our family knew where he died. I ended up reaching out to a few people who ran World War I museums in England, emailed them. They're like more than happy. They did some research. They found out where he died. They found out when he died. They found out which different brigade he was a part of and everything. And I was like, great. 
there's a million soldiers who fought for the British in the First World War. No one knows about them. We always say, lest we forget, there's a million people we forgot about. So the show was called right there, The Forgotten, a documentary series of me investigating how my great-grandfather's brother died in the First World War, and through that investigation, opening it up to all the Indian soldiers who fought there and, and died there, and what happened to their memories and, and why we don't talk about them more. Came up with a detailed pitch document, had a conversation with the ABC here. They said no one's interested in that story in Australia. And then I spoke to the BBC, I spoke to Times of India, I spoke to Audible India, I spoke to Audible International. Like every single person came back and said, yeah, we don't, we're not interested. I still think it's a great idea. It hurts. It sucks when your pitch gets rejected. You put a lot of work into it. And it sucks when you're in a newsroom and every day you're pitching stories. And sometimes one out of every 30 gets approved. And then when you're a freelancer and your rent relies on this and your, and your food relies on this and it's still getting rejected, it's hard. But that's why you try to widen your net. You pitch a documentary series here, pitch a newspaper article there. You pitch an editorial opinion column over here, you pitch a TV drama over there. Something somewhere will eventually hit. And make sure you're writing it all down. Make sure every time you have an idea, I have files on my phone, I have a notebook at home. Any idea I come up with gets written down in that so that I might develop it later. If tomorrow I have a free day, I'll go through that and go, oh, that was a good idea, I forgot I had that one. Let me see if I can develop that further. If you're a person who comes up with ideas, most of them will get rejected, but that doesn't mean you've run out of ideas. That was Sammy Shah talking to The Yarn's executive producer, Louisa Lim. The Yarn is from the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne. It's produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. A massive thank you to Sammy and Louisa. I'm Thomas Phillips. See you next week.